Welcome to Around the IT Block Podcast, presented by HPE. I'm your host, the IT Oddfather, Calvin Zito. This is episode 21. In episode 15, I had a conversation with a customer and Soren Charon, who is a VP and fellow for HPE AI Strategy and Solutions. We're going to revisit AI again and go a little bit deeper and talk about what's going to happen in 2022. Uh, Soren, you were on podcast number 15, but why don't you start and tell everybody who you were, who you are, and uh, what you do at HPE. Yeah, uh, hello, uh, uh, Kelvin. Hello, everybody. Uh, thank you for having me back. And my name is Soren Kiran. I'm uh, uh, currently uh, a fellow MVP at, uh, at HPE and driving a team which is called Artificial Intelligence Strategy and Solutions that is looking for the, for the wider strategy of uh, our own BU, HPC Iron Labs around, obviously, artificial intelligence, the solutions that are actually taking to our customers, the products that are actually building around the AI and so on and so forth. And uh, we are deeply engaged with uh, sellers, customers, uh, engineering, and so on. Great. And Evan, this first time we've had a chance to talk, but I know you were uh, came to HPE from Determined AI. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? And really, I want you to focus on what makes you an expert to help our audience understand what we're going to be talking about. Hi everyone, uh, and and Calvin, thanks so much for for having me on as well. Uh, so I'm Evan Sparks. I'm a vice president in uh, the AI group here at HPE. I focus on software for large scale machine learning model training, uh, specifically the HPE Cray AI development environment and uh, and related products. Um, so as you mentioned, I, I came to HPE uh, by way of acquisition of my startup, Determined AI, uh, uh, which HPE acquired last year. Prior to Determined AI, I was uh, working in academia on distributed systems for large-scale uh, machine learning and uh, artificial intelligence in, in Berkeley's AMP Lab. Uh, so I did my PhD there, and, and my team is a group of uh, technologists and researchers focused on, on large-scale systems for AI. So I'm going to, Evan, start with maybe a, a little bit of an off-the-wall question, but, you know, that's, I, I like breaking stuff down and make it easier to understand. So you were determined AI was kind of focused on academia. That's the roots of the company. Why, why did you believe and why do you believe now that HPE acquiring determined AI was good for what you guys were doing? Yeah. So I think that what we have seen in the last several years is uh, that training and building large scale models that are are based on ai things like autonomous vehicles and um, large scale language models voice assistants that actually work uh etc all of this is becoming a really a scale computing problem and and that's combination of the rise of deep learning which is an extremely computationally intensive but very powerful way of building ai models and the rise of data and the um, our ability to collect just massive amounts of data from smartphones and other sensors uh, out there in the in the field. Um, really, you know, I think of AI as the culmination of data-driven decision making. And what we saw in academia was we went from being able to run computer vision pipelines on our laptops to suddenly needing massive compute quantity, needing to manage that, needing to scale it up, and really AI becoming a supercomputing problem. And that was where determined AI focused, and that is helping machine learning engineers and data scientists get access to that scale and, and effectively and efficiently use that scale. We view 
AI is fundamentally a new way of building applications and, and writing programs that requires a completely new new tool set. And I think that's why there was so much synergy here between HPE's position in the market and access to some of the most sophisticated customers on the planet and our ability to serve those customers by uh, giving them software tools to really make effective use of their, their compute. Soren, let me maybe turn it around from your side because you were here within HPE uh, when Determined AI became part of our company. What, what, what do you got to add for now the combined power of HPE and Determined AI? Yeah, so um, actually from, from our side of the, of, uh, from, from the HP side, I, we've been, my team has been deeply involved with, uh, with Evan as we actually drove the, uh, drove the acquisition as well. Now that they are part of the, of the family, from the point of view of HP Plus, it turns are looking forward on something that we call AI at scale or AI at scale strategy, or basically we are uh, seeing on the market, we are now bringing to the market our ability to actually marry what, we, what we're actually, what we're very good at, which is high performance computing scale, exascale, very large systems with all the features and the richness of the product that Evan has been building with his team. Putting those together are actually giving our customers the ability to to have an end-to-end -end offering, starting obviously from uh, from the infrastructure up to the software, um, uh, in order for them to accelerate their AI models. What I also wanted to say is that we are not binding our customers to say you need to buy the whole end-to-end, -end, right? But you can actually pick and choose what do you need in order to complete your portfolio or to complete your stack. So uh, together, we are, we are actually one step closer to delivering to our customers through AI at scale, right? From the development perspective, from the training perspective. And now even more so, we are using Evan and his team are working together to understand what do we need to do alongside uh, our current offerings to make sure that we are building an edge to core AI platform at scale, right? So we are actually doing that. So yeah, it's, it's, it has been an adventure and a really good match so far. I want to jump in and talk about what we see is happening in um, 2022. You know, I know when we did the last podcast, Soren, we talked a little bit about GPT-3 and general purpose models, but let me start with you and have you, first of all, just talk a little bit about what GPT-3 is. So somebody listening to this, relatively new, I assume, um, knows what it is and where do you see this going and how it will impact customers in, uh, in, the, in 2022? Yeah, so initially, uh, when we've seen, some time back, we've seen this idea of this proliferation of uh, large language models, which I think at the time they were called LLMs, right? And initially, we started with some very smaller model like uh, BERT and uh, and something which is called actually GPT-2, GPT which are basically the general purpose transformers. So what these models are actually able to do, they introduced for the first time the idea of a model that can do not one thing, but more things once it was actually being trained, right? So GPT-3 introduced this huge size model that was able to once trained to do not just one thing, like for example, in the case of computer vision, if you train a, a convolutional neural network, for example, to recognize objects in an image, you can't use the exactly, the, let's say it's the same model to then uh, run segmentation in the image, for example. I mean, to actually define which pixels are being used and how and so on and so forth. So now with GPT-3 being introduced, suddenly people are actually able to uh, translate from one language to another, or to actually transform from one to to, tra to translate from one language to a lot more others, and so on and so forth. But also use the same model to, for example, summarize text, or for example, to take one uh, one step forward and actually generate text in order to, for example, for an interview or for out of articles of news feeds, articles, and so on. Right. So you can use the same model. This is why it's actually why it's called general purpose to do a lot of tasks. Now, not only that, but we have been taken this lately to a new level 
right in the past uh, couple of, uh, I would say, uh, one year or so, and 2022 is going to be the year when we are, we are actually going to see this even wider, we have actually combined this very large GPT model with the ability to also uh, not just uh, fit just one type of, uh, of, uh, of input, like, for example, text or whatever other else, but we've seen now the rise of this multimodal AI, where basically we have something like GPT-3, but uh, obviously a bit different, where that basically is able to look in images and 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 text at the same time and then uh, basically for example when you're actually inputting show me the image of a, of, a, of a clock in the in the shape of a heart basically they are actually being able to generate uh, images and so on and so forth so we are not only seeing the rise of this gpt like model general purpose models but also this rise of multimodal ai where basically we are able to uh, to do a lot more things that we were to do in the past, right? So basically, why do I put them in the same family? Because suddenly, not only that we are able to do more with one model, but we are actually designing models that based on various type of inputs, they can actually generate a lot more as well. So we've been seeing a lot in our customer base, this idea of GPT and GPT-like models. And this is why we believe that the 2022 is actually going to help us from user's perspective, bridge the gap on how many people are actually able to use this type of models. And enabling our users to do that is actually key. Maybe I'll just say a few words about how uh, we enable this as part of HPE. So one thing that uh, that Soren uh, uh, maybe didn't mention is, as he was talking about these general purpose language models is that they're really large. He mentioned that, but a consequence of that is they're very, very difficult to train. So uh, you could, you know, as input, think of all of the text on the web as a good input uh, corpus to train uh, something like GPT-3. And the amount of infrastructure required to do that effectively could be hundreds of GPUs running simultaneously for months at a time. Now, that is a scale uh, compute problem that really is uh, in, the, in the home of high-performance computing. And so if you want to adapt one of these large language models to your particular language or your training set that is unique to your enterprise or maybe you're a government agency, now you're in, at a point where you take one of these perhaps off-the-shelf models and you adapt it for your particular solutions. And that's going to require a bunch of, uh, of hardware, but then also software to orchestrate that hardware and make it easy for users to efficiently get scale out processing. Uh, that is leverage all those uh, GPUs simultaneously, track your experiments, understand what are the changes in my modeling uh, 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 assumptions and how are the, those uh, changes in the assumptions affecting the overall quality and automatically uh, perhaps um, make the processing of that data much more efficient. That's the kind of thing that HPE uh, can help customers with, particularly with Determined AI and the uh, and the HPE Cray AI development environment. And probably worth just mentioning, and I'll let either one of you jump in on this one, but I know I just recently did a chalk talk talking about HPE GreenLake for uh, AI, ML, and MLOps. Uh, so what we do, we it is available through GreenLake, and that's got to be an advantage that customers can have that GreenLake model to to, to run these kind of workloads? Calvin, yes, shorter, longer term, yes, 100%, because when you're actually going out and training this, this type of models using whatever platform you'd like and so on, hardware, whatever you, 
you you're basically generating a model now the problem with generating this model is that also to be able to run them right for example inference as a service or whatever other else you need the underlying platform behind to be able to actually get real-time uh, translations or real-time summarization or real-time text generation or whatever not so some of our customers today are actually looking at using this as a service basically so having somebody else write the models these very large models training them and so on and so forth and then basically using that as a, as a service. So yes, not only that we are looking at delivering platforms to our customers as a service, and obviously we have GreenLake for MLOps, and we are looking also at GreenLake for uh, for training platforms as, a, as well in the future, but also our customers are looking at inference as a service. How do I then use the models in order to generate some inference quickly per second and so on and so forth, not caring where the underlying infrastructure actually sits, where the underlying platform sits and so on. So yes, having GreenLake into our portfolio is an advantage for both platforms and longer term models as well. So let's keep talking about MLOps. I mean, it's it's something that people are talking about. It, if you Google it, it seems like everybody on the planet seems to think they have an MLOps solution. But what are we seeing with customers? And are they actually s successfully implementing MLOps? How might that change this year? So I think what, what what we're seeing out in the market is that it's it's taking a little while for what the canonical stack for MLOps is really to emerge. And we think about it as a three really big components. There's data and how you collect and organize your data and uh, keep track of its lineage and, and get it ready for model building. The second kind of component is uh, where Determined AI and, and the great development environment really sit and focus is around that model training experience, around the model development experience, and all the things that a developer of these models is doing to get them ready for production. And then the third uh, component of the ML ops stack is, is really, as Soren was mentioning, inference at scale, running these models in a production in a production capacity. It could be pushing models out to run on autonomous vehicles and, and robots in the field, or it could be running a big, big ad network or, uh, or financial trading strategy on the edge that's using uh, these sophisticated models. The other kind of key piece of, of what MLOps is, is the connective tissue between data, model building, and inference. And what we're seeing out in the market is that best of breed solutions and tools are starting to come together to provide this connective tissue, but also to create a much more canonical stack that customers are using and, and standardizing on. Clearly, HPE has a very good partnership with NVIDIA. You know, my knowledge of NVIDIA isn't deep, but I know, you know, the GPUs that we get from them are pretty important in the whole delivering what we're trying to do with AI. What's going to happen this year with that space? And what, what do you think is going to happen in 2022 as we look at that, uh, that whole helping with uh, delivering chips for AI? What we normally see now with, with customers, and we've been seeing this for the past couple of years, right? NVIDIA has been the Swiss Army knife of artificial intelligence, right? And um, basically, customers have been using artificial um, NVIDIA chips also for training, for inference, and so on, simply because, let's face it, they, they have been the most performant on the market also. They have been uh, um, looking all at you know the simple software stack to implement, use, and so on. What we've seen in the past couple of six to nine months, so to speak, but even a bit longer, 
And what we are going to see in 2022 is customers are becoming a lot more inqui inquisitive about what else is out there. So if in the past they would actually ask, oh, by the way, I heard about various companies like your Cerebras, Graphcore, Sambanovas, but also some something from some of the traditional competitors of NVIDIA like AMD and Intel. If in the past it was, oh, I know they exist and I'm actually curious, maybe in the next couple of, let's say, two years to, to start uh, uh, testing them. Now we're actually seeing customers uh, customers coming to us and saying, oh, by the way, I've heard about the performance of Graphcore. I've said about the performance of uh, Cerebras. I've heard about the, that AMD is actually going to, uh, to release a new chip. And I think uh, they actually have some of the, their cards being released this year as well, or Intel releasing a new accelerator, whatever other. So we are actually seeing customers coming to us and looking at, what else is out there? And then also uh, pushing us hard to say, okay, the performance of this accelerator, for example, is fantastic, but the so I don't I don't actually like the software stack simply because it's a bit more difficult to use. My models have been uh, written in a complete NVIDIA stack. What do I do next? What, uh, what are my steps and so on? So this year, I think we'll be having a lot of conversations about this idea of heterogeneity of AI. And I'm pretty positive that uh, with the, the steps we are actually taken, we might be able to enable and to push this heterogeneity for our customers as well. And I don't know if you actually might have anything to comment here because we've been working on this for some time now. Yeah, absolutely. So from the perspective of training, so I think first piece of this is that uh, we see different demand and different workload for inference chips versus training chips. And NVIDIA, to Soren's point, isn't a one-size-fits-all solution. And in fact, even NVIDIA has separate product lines for training and inference. But then NVIDIA absolutely in both places is, is kind of the biggest game in town when it comes to AI. But on the training side, we're seeing, as Soren said, new, new accelerators come on online. And we envision a future where customers don't have to know a priori, I need this particular class of chip or this is best for my workload. And instead, software layer could, can figure out what, uh, what would be the best chip for my particular workload, whether it's natural language processing or computer vision. And that decision might be customer dependent. Some customers might want pure performance. Some customers might want price performance. Some customers want, might want price performance for what even. And uh, having intelligent layers that sit between the user's code, their model descriptions, and the underlying hardware substrate that it's running on is something that we think we can uh, bring to market uh, and, and bring to users uh, um, very soon here. So we've been talking about AI. It's a huge, obviously, industry conversation. I, I would expect more customers are going to be adopting AI in 2022 in the enterprise. But what, what's going to make that happen? And why do you think that? 2022 really could be the year that AI accelerates inside of uh, enterprise customers. So I think what, that what's um, what's interesting about AI is that uh, the last you know seven or eight years, what we've seen is that it's the large tech companies who've been leading the charge, the Googles and and Facebooks of the world, uh, in terms of incorporating it into their their products. And that has uh, you know the products have gotten way better, but that doesn't help me if I'm uh, say an automobile manufacturer or a defense contractor. Um, I can't use social network data to improve my models. But what, what customers are realizing is that if they take their unique assets, the data sets that, that uh, they generate as a byproduct of their business, and start to look at those data assets as uh, unique differentiators that they can use to create AI models that are specific to their business, then you start to see vertical solutions start to come out. And so we're seeing it everywhere from call centers to financial services to manufacturing and drug discovery. 
these are areas where people are taking uh, sophisticated advances in AI modeling, combining it with their data and adapting uh, for their use cases. And I think that 2022 is going to see more of that in the enterprise, particularly in industries that are that are data first and and make data uh, driven decisions as a way of doing business. So. Um, more likely to see it, say, in uh, pharmaceutical drug discovery, for example, than maybe an industry that hasn't been so data-driven historically. Soren, I know we can't really give specifics about futures, but maybe you can help people understand what HPE is going to be doing to help our customers accelerate, use AI in, in the enterprise and in, within these verticalizations that we're talking about. Yeah, thank you, Colin, for that. Yes, yeah, so uh, 2022 for us is a, it's a, it's a very exciting year also because we've been in 2022. We want to ensure that we are delivering to our customers this idea of, uh, as we said at the beginning, as Evan mentioned at the beginning of our call of training and development at scale. And in order to support them, not only from the point of view of just, by the way, this is the software or the hardware that they're actually going to use, but we are pushing hard to deliver ready-trained models, but to deliver an end-to-end -end platform from the hardware perspective, plus software perspective combined and tuned for their workloads either per vertical or per use case and so on. So we'll be launching new type of products based on uh, determined AI, which is going to spend beyond the HP AI development environment, which is the enterprise version of determined that we are going to look forward to actually have an end-to-end -end fully benchmark and fully tested stack being delivered to our customers. We're also looking forward this year to uh, not only to think about the data center or the cloud where you can actually train these models, but also to, to try to think now that I want to bring this in production and Trying, trying to close on what you said, what we said earlier about MLOps. How do I retrain models at the edge? And we'll be having an enterprise solution there for our customers as well. And moving onward, we know, for example, that customers are actually training HPC and AI workloads together within uh, in the same place. And we want to make sure that uh, we'll give we'll give them all the tools to be able to combine the two AI, HPC and AI uh, simulations and and models together. And we'll be having something coming later this year that is actually going to um, uh, to help them with that. Moving onwards, we will be, as Evan mentioned, we'll be, we'll be looking at delivering this idea or enabling this idea of heterogeneity for, for our customers as well into our solutions. That it be from the storage perspective, from the accelerator perspective, and so on. So overall, it's going to be, it's a full year for us, very exciting and full of uh, launches, releases, and hopefully of uh, very nice AI stories as well. Well, that's great because it sounds like we would have some future episodes to talk more specifics about these things that you're alluding to. Would love having you guys back and dive deeper into that. For people that want to learn more about what HPE is doing in this space, it's an easy URL. You can find more information at hpe.com AI. Evan and Soren, I really like these episodes where I learn something because I just use that as a measure that if I'm learning something, I'm sure our listeners are too. So really appreciate you guys joining me today and helping me better understand what's going on and what's going to happen in 2022 in AI. Thanks for having us, Calvin. Thanks for having us, Calvin. I'm looking forward for, uh, for next episodes, with or without us. <laughs> Thanks, guys. You can subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple iTunes, Google, Amazon Music, Audible, Podcast Addict, and many other podcast subscription services. We've also just got a new home on hpe.com. You can find the podcast on hpe.com slash dmn slash ATITB. Love hearing from you on Twitter, where you can find me as Calvin Zito. You can find our blogs at community.hpe.com. Until next time, thanks for joining me.